0: We'll start with that, and then if there's time left, we can. I can ask you follow-up questions and stuff. Sure. Are you good? Okay. Today is October sixteenth, two thousand sixteen. I am at the Austin Archives Bazaar with in Sangarendi Hall. Uh, this is Eric Lees. I'm with Philip Drexler. Yes. Um, and you are going to tell us a story about Austin. Well, it's from the Austin area. Uh, It's a story that I found in the Caldwell County Archives at the Eugene Clark Library in Lockhart, Texas, which is the oldest public library in Texas, founded 1899. It's a true story. There's a uh, town in central Caldwell County about 10 miles southwest of Lockhart, about halfway between Lockhart and Luling. It doesn't really exist anymore, save for uh, the name of a honky-tonk there and a few houses along the side of the highway. But uh, the name came to be in a very interesting way. Seawillow, Texas. In the summer of 1860, there was a young couple living quietly by the sea in Beaumont, Texas. The uh, husband was a Baptist minister and his wife was nine months pregnant She was imminently about to have a child. The uh, husband went out on his pastoral duties one day visiting the parishioners and a hurricane blew up out of the Gulf of Mexico suddenly and violently as he was out making those rounds. It came up so fast and so quick that he could not get back home before the storm had overwhelmed that little house by the Gulf of Mexico with his pregnant wife inside of it. The floodwaters overwhelmed the house to the extent that the floodwaters had carried the young pregnant mother away the household slaves searched for that young mother everywhere that they could think to find her. They swam into the turgid floodwaters, looking everywhere they thought they could find her. They couldn't find her anywhere. Finally, one of the strongest and youngest youngest of those uh, slaves uh, swam out to the boathouse and secured a large uh, raft and uh, swam to where the rest of the slaves had uh, gathered on a small island. And all of the slaves uh, piled onto that raft and they managed to row as hard as they could against the onrushing swells and to continue to search for their mistress. Finally, they found her clinging to a willow tree that was blowing in the wind and had been inundated by the flood as well. They managed to rescue her and to gently put her onto the raft with them. And, of course, the wrenching of those waves had sent her in to labor. And so those slaves, and particularly the mammy, as they called her, went to work and helped her to deliver a baby girl there on that pitching deck of the raft in the middle of the hurricane. They tied the raft off on that soft, supple, willow tree. And a baby girl was delivered to the mother and put in her wet, aching arms. Eventually the storm abated, and they were able with much difficulty to row back to the family home. And eventually the water drained off enough for the husband, the pastor, to make his way back to the family home, and of course he was in great fear that he had lost everything, the wife, the unborn child, all the slaves and the house, but of course when he got back home he was relieved to find that the house was still there, the slaves were still there, his wife was still there, and he had a brand new baby girl. Twenty-one years later, that baby girl, who had been named by her father, Sea Willow, after that strong yet supple willow in the heart of the sea, to which the slaves had tied that raft in the middle of that hurricane, came with her husband to Central Texas, to start a pioneer life on the Blackland Prairie of Central Texas. They came to raise some cotton and uh, other crops, Uh, but uh, the community they lived in had a small problem shortly after they arrived and began to farm the land. The problem was that their small community had been named after a town, after uh, the same name as a town that uh, the post office already had registered by that name. So they had to change the name of the town in order to get a post office. So they had a meeting to decide uh, what name they should propose for the new town. And a lot of suggestions were made. Finally, C. Willow's husband stepped up and he told the story about how his wife came into the world and how she got her name Seawillow. And everybody seemed to think that a new settlement being born on the hard Blackland Prairie of Central Texas in post-Reconstruction Texas, being named after a baby being born on the pitching raft of a hurricane sounded like a good name for a town so they decided that the name of their town would be Sea Willow Texas so even though Sea Willow is not a very important place today there isn't even a post office there anymore and there aren't any really any commercial buildings to point to except for that one little honky tonk to say, that's Sea Willow, it's still a community, maybe a community of the mind, perhaps, because even though the people of Sea Willow have a lot of different backgrounds, the people are uh, from German and Czech and Scotch-Irish and Hispanic and African-American backgrounds, they've all pretty much gotten along with each other in pretty much friendly terms, all those years since the 1880s when their little town was formed and and named after that woman who was born that night when a group of people did not care about the differences that separated them but rather at the risk of their lives brought new life into the world. Hmm. So how did you discover the story? You found it in the archive. I found it in the Caldwell County Archive at the Eugene Clark Library in Lockhart, Texas. And uh, I, uh, I wrote it up and submitted it to a writing competition. I won a little literary prize for that. And I told it at the Texas State Storytelling Festival one year. So, I think it's a pretty good story. Yeah. So I thought I'd share it with y'all. Great, well thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, we still have five minutes left, so do you want to, is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, well, you know, uh, there are a lot of great stories like this. Uh, I went to the... Um, Museum of Western Art in Kerrville a few years ago, and uh, there was a painting there of a little girl uh, holding a a horseshoe punch, you know, for putting a a horseshoe into a horse's hoof. And I I wrote a story about that. I don't have time to tell it in five minutes, but uh, it was a story where this little girl was. This is fiction. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling it to just fill five minutes. But I, I, I'm a therapeutic storyteller. Uh, so I, what I, does that mean? I, well, um, I'm a recreation therapist, so I work with people with disabilities. In fact, most most of my work is in mental health. So I try to that that story is a historical story but you can see how it can be used in a therapeutic way the one i had told already so this one i crafted and and i just devised a story based on this picture so the story i devised was that that, that the little girl was a lonely little girl being brought along with her father to the blacksmith's mm-hmm. shop right and and the story was devised that the blacksmith was an immigrant, and he had to leave his family behind. And so he was by himself in America, and so he was alone. And this little girl reminded him of his little girl that he left behind in the old world. And so he, she finds the little punch that flies out the side without him seeing it, and he sees her fingering it, and he picks it up and he puts it on her finger, and he gives it to her. So that—that's the story I told the second time at the, at the at the storytelling festival. And then I told one last year too. I told one about. Um, I told what? What did I tell last year? Hmm. It was on a religious theme, I think, because it was it was. Oh yeah, it was one I wrote. I wrote an an original story Mm -hmm. last year. What about, um, do you have any particular memories of Austin that you want to talk about? Austin. I uh, i tell you, you know, um, there are things I miss about Austin. I know Joe Nick Patowski was just saying today, you know, that there are things we miss about Austin, and th- the things—the little things—is what I miss. Is um, i, I, I went—I was in my sister's old neighborhood, uh, Brentwood, Crestview, and I went into the to the old drugstore where I used to go in the old Crestview grocery store complex there, on off a of Woodrow. And I went into the to that um, to that drugstore and that same old guy is still there dispensing drugs and behind that same old counter and it felt so nice to know that some things haven't changed that felt really good and then I was I was down near ACC one day and I ducked into this uh, uh, skateboard place and I don't I don't know anything about skateboards. But the minute I walked in there, I said, this is an old Austin place. What about it made you say that? It just had the feel. It just looked like it. And, and, and they had some really nice hats that were cheap, and I bought one. But I said, this, this is it, guys. And it was all kids, you know. But I said, there's something about this place that tells me this is old Austin. And sure enough, I was talking to somebody on the bus about it just the other day, and they said, oh yeah, those kids, their parents, they're old hippies. I said, I knew it. I knew that place was run by old Austin people. And it felt so good to walk into a place that just felt like old Austin. Uh, There's just so little of that left. Because I feel like we're giving the place away. When I hear people complaining about how people are coming from outside are taking it over. I just say, well, we got no one to blame our, but ourselves because we're letting them do it. That's, that's the sad part. We're, we're turning it over to them. If we, if, if we didn't roll over and let them do it, it wouldn't happen. And that's what we're doing. We're rolling over and letting them do it. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have. Well, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Great. We appreciate you talking to us. Absolutely. Enjoyed it.